Welcome to our 19th Set the Month in Motion monthly podcast forum, produced in partnership with the City of Fremantle's Building Business Capacity Program. My name is Denisha Quinlan and I'm the CEO of the Fremantle Chamber of Commerce. I would like to start today by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we gather here, the Wadjuk people, and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. This unprecedented year has affected so many of us in different ways. And as the year begins to very quickly draw to a close, some will be celebrating, some will be just getting through it. Some will be looking at their new life perspectives and perhaps considering the pivots that they've made across the year. Others will be feeling the disconnection of absent family and friends, and perhaps feeling the uncertainty of what a world will look like in business throughout 2020. The holiday season often also brings with it a host of unwelcome guests, isolation from family, stress, depression, a reliance on alcohol and other stimulants to get us through what is meant to be a happy and festive season. So today I'm really pleased to be having a conversation that in many ways is, is part two from a podcast that we had in the middle of the year, um, just around how we manage our mental health through this change and how we enter the uncertainty of 2021 feeling refreshed and productive. Rachel, you and I were just discussing earlier, perhaps not feeling so refreshed and productive early this morning. Rachel O'Byrne, our first guest on the panel, um, is a clinical psychologist and a lead practitioner at Fremantle Psychology and Counselling. Rachel has lectured in abnormal psychology at Murdoch University, been published in peer-reviewed journals and worked in multidisciplinary psychiatric teams at Abbotsford Private Hospital where she developed and facilitated depression, anxiety, addiction, trauma therapy group programs for both women and men. Rachel provides individual therapy for adults experiencing a broad range of acute and chronic and complex mental health and relationship issues. She's particularly interested in the treatment of attachment-based issues that impact on our capacity for intimate connection with ourselves and others. Rachel, as I mentioned, we spoke here mid-year as we gradually started to weave ourselves out of COVID lockdown. Mm. Um, it almost feels like a lifetime ago. It does. How are you seeing, I guess, the change over the last six months and our community begin to process what I guess many are calling mm. the year like no other? Mm. Well, it hasn't let up, I guess. Um, we've got a wait list at the moment of probably 100 people and that's with 20 clinicians and we work five to six days a week. Um, so there, there's a lot of people presenting for mental health support, which is a good thing um, if it's been pre-existing, but I think it's also reflective of how hard it's been, even though we have been in the lucky state. Um, yes. So I think um, it's, it's not slowing down. And do you think as we lead up to Christmas, there will be a time of, of reflection for community? Are you expecting to see a little bit more over this period? Probably. We usually see a little bit leading up to Christmas and then the drop-off with, I think, everyone just trying to get through. Um, so I do think it's a bit like having had a massive semester of uni and then you've still got the exam to come. So I think normally Christmas is stressful anyway um, for a range of reasons that I'm sure we'll talk about. But uh, I think that having already had a really stressful year, that it's probably going to be a little bit more uh, difficult for a lot of people. And that wave you describe, I think we were only talking about it last week, mm. post our business awards, you know, you put mm. so much effort and mm. energy into just getting through things mm. and particularly as business leaders, I mm. think, you know, you all, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So mm. you just keep charging and charging yep. and charging until you yep. reach that. Managing that drop, 
I guess, can be one of the key things that is challenging to maintain. How do you think, um, I guess, you know, when you're dealing with a cohort of leaders that are used to sort of pushing mm. themselves through, that sort of that drop and that coming off in a way, because in some, in many instances, it's almost an easing of pressure that we're mm. probably going to see over the next little while. Well, I think our habit is to then quickly fill up the calendar mm. so that we don't experience the drop. <laughs> um, we might call it a manic defence, but keeping busy so that uh, we're comfortable with that sort of stress mm. as opposed to the stress of having time but not really knowing what to do with that or the, the year catching up with us and, and all of the feelings and uh, actually feeling a bit lost in any white space in the calendar. Absolutely. And someone who fills, um, I guess, some of that space and in many ways a lot of the practice at, at Fremantle Minds is about creating alternative activities, Kane. Kane is second on our panel today and the founding consultant clinical psychologist of My Local Mind and Fremantle Mind Incorporated, Australian Clinical and Forensic Psychological Services and a clinical psychologist with the Department of Health, WA and Signet Clinic in Fremantle. Kane, you've established uh, My Local Mind and Fremantle Mind Incorporated as charities with the aim of engaging the local community by connecting and promoting the social and emotional well-being, mental health and resilience of its members. You offer low-cost, evidence-based services and are staffed by health professionals working across a number of different media and face-to-face -face mediums to fill the gaps in existing local community health systems. Kane holds a Doctorate of Psychology in Clinical Psychology, specialising in Forensic Psychology at Monash University, and a Bachelor of Social Science Psychology with Distinction, and a Bachelor of Applied Science Psychology Honours One from RMIT. Quite an incredible list of qualifications there, Kane, and we're very um, grateful to have you here today. Thank you very much for having me. So establishing My Local Mind was driven by a desire to directly respond to community need. Mm -hmm. Can you talk us through, um, obviously you've chosen Fremantle as a place to base your services. Mm -hmm. Why here in this community? And I guess picking up from Rachel's point, filling the gap in some ways um, and, and the services that you offer, how do they help our community? Yeah. Well, I think Fremantle is a natural place to have a community-driven initiative like uh, Fremantle Mind. Uh, people love being a part of Fremantle and they love um, supporting the community of Fremantle. So it was a natural kind of place um, to try and start something like this. Um, I'm from Melbourne originally, um, but um, have lived in Frio now for the past six years and it's become a part of who I am. Um, so I'm just really lucky to be able to give back to this community and... Um, it was a, I might have been the spark, um, but the community has absolutely caught fire with this um, initiative. And um, with the, the current services, the kind of mainstream services that are absolutely overwhelmed at, at present, I think the preventative um, free community-based services are much, much more important now. Um, we offer services like yoga, mindfulness, creative expression, drumbeat, as well as more traditional talk-based groups. Um, but because we do group work and because we don't um, have the kind of uh, the needs to go through GP referrals and go on wait lists and things like that, our services are much more accessible to the community at this point in time, which I think is really important as an adjunct to um, the traditional treatments that um, are still available in our community. That's great. And I'll come back to talk through, you know, some of those um, treatments that you offer and what they do give people that may need some assistance. Finally, on our panel, it gives me great pleasure to introduce uh, one of our neighbours here at the, at the chamber, Alex Attard, founder and CEO of Western Hypnotherapy for Manos Clinic. 
Um, Alex offers a very different approach to how we approach mindset and find ways to turn our attention inward to regain control in certain areas of our lives. Um, Alex has worked with hypnosis for over 10 years for business and development and is now operating, as I mentioned, his clinic right here in our chamber buildings. Alex has trained with some of Australia's leading names and developed a way to bring the best part of multiple styles together, focusing purely on helping clients do things differently. So, Alex, in terms of doing things differently, what do you think we should be feeling or thinking about if we really, truly want to have a good Christmas break this year? That's a good question. Um, it's easy to focus on what's wrong. Uh, it's easy to focus on what we've been doing. But if we want to look, and look at how we can have a good Christmas, I think it's important to think what we want our Christmas to be like. Uh, I often talk to people when they come in about where their thoughts come from. And it's the correct answer for most people is, I don't know, because a lot of thoughts just, we say ideas pop into our head. Um, so I guess from there we think, what thoughts could we put in there? What could we focus on? We could focus on our family. We could focus on how we spend our time. Do we give ourselves um, time to do things we enjoy? Do we give ourselves um, experiences that make us feel happy? So simple things like um, focusing on the things that matter rather than um, the issues that we have, the lists of to-dos that we have. You know, it helps people just shift from a problem mindset into a, a place of where they can recognise their resources. And I think that takes that stop and pause sometimes to, to notice that, doesn't it? Um, one of the key questions I, I had, and Alex, we were discussing it even yesterday just very, very briefly, is we don't often recognise where our thoughts are coming from and certainly often end up in a position where we're sort of reeling and unsure of where to go and end up in a sort of a rut or a hole that people struggle to come out of. What are some of the early warning signs as we enter this season that maybe we do need to stop, pause and reflect on where those thoughts are coming from? One of the big things is to notice when we're feeling overwhelmed. Mm. Or if we notice that, like when we're busy at work, we often have people who are successful especially, they have great coping mechanisms. So ways that they um, unwind, the things that they might do, whether it's have a favourite track that they listen to on the way home from work or... Perhaps it's a, a ritual of a glass of wine on a Friday night, whatever it happens to be. Uh, if those things are interrupted, like we noticed a lot with when the lockdowns happened with COVID, people couldn't go to the gyms. And that's their coping mechanism for how they deal with stress often. Um, and through Christmas, we might stop work, our normal routine changes, and we don't have the ability to do things the way we normally do them. And we can find that we feel stressed. We can find that... Um, Perhaps when you walk into your house with your family, you're thinking about all the problems rather than how lucky you are to have a family there with you. And just noticing that, and you can do something about it. Absolutely. Any other thoughts, I guess, just from a, a clinical point of view about some of those signs and awareness of what we should be looking out for? Well, I think we would want to try and get there before we do feel overwhelmed. Mm. And I do think with Christmas there are so many expectations um, so even though you're right, we don't know where all the thoughts are coming from, I think there's a lot of pressure or a lot of what we've grown up with of what it's supposed to look like or perhaps what it was like last year or the year before and whether it was good or bad. Um, but I think uh, trying to um, sit down and get in touch with what are going to be the stressors mm -hmm. uh, and I think if everyone sits down for a minute and thinks about Christmas Day, they'll already start thinking about what's going to stress them out. So it might be um, 
different ideas around gift giving. You've got multiple people and it's not like on a birthday where we let that person choose what they want to do. We've got multiple people on a special day trying to choose what they want and often they're going to be always competing needs. Mm -hmm. So whether it's how much we want to spend on gifts, whether we're buying for adults, where we're having Christmas, what time we want to eat, what time we want to leave, uh, where the children are going to be, where our parents, uh, you know, who's having them, um, who's going to pay for the seafood dish, who's, <laughs> who's bringing the you prawns, know, who's got the ice, but it starts, I think it brings up issues in families about um, feeling like we do everything or someone gets away with something. So I think it's not, it's all symbolic of deeper issues that we kind of put aside all year and then they can creep up. Um, and so I think, I think planning is really important, is not waiting until we're so angry or resentful or the plan is going so far away from what we want or we've spent more money than we intended. I think it is to really sit down and take that moment to really get in touch with what am I, where are my limits, what do I want um, and also what can I give up? You know, do I want to, you know, do I want to get wrapped up in um, the fact that I've got the seafood dish this year or do I just want to roll with it? Um, where, how do I, which I guess is getting back in touch with your values. Mm. Um, but also not trying to resolve all of our family issues uh, for this one day is, is what can I just roll with? Because what's in my control uh, is what I do, but there's going to be a lot that's out of our control in terms of what other people want and what they're going to do. Absolutely. Uh, so many good points you make there, Rachel. And I think that idea of, of planning also, particularly in the lead up now where we know it's very difficult mm. to find time to go to the gym or to do any planning or any of those coping mechanisms because there is so much on just from a work perspective, finishing things up for mm. Christmas, as well as the amount of events afterwards. And then as we well. push back hard conversations. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll leave it to the week before before we sort of say how we really feel or what we really want. So I think if there's a hard conversation to have um, or if there's a hard decision to make, you know, I guess talking about people not being here um, or not having access to their families, um, I think that if you have a choice that isn't the choice you want, it's trying to make it now rather than being in that position of being 25 and waiting for the best New Year's Eve. Yeah. Uh, you know, and end it's up having... come one day. Right? <laughs> yeah, how many years away from 50, New Year's Eve is coming one day? I know it. Feel it. <laughs> You're right. So I think it's just locking something in and then grieving maybe what you were hoping for, but locking it in something so you can adjust and then start to look at the positives of... That's locked in. I've made the decision. I don't have to start keep worrying about it. And now I can focus on how can I make that sort of second choice or that less than perfect choice good. It's mm, really, really interesting. Kane, I guess in dealing with the group environment and some of the training, you must hear some of the differences in the way different people cope in different situations. How do you find, I guess, looking at that difference and working together? Because so much of what we're talking about is very inward and very personal. Um, how does it play out in a group context? Well, I think the groups are an amazing way to um, support people to learn and grow because it means that as a facilitator, you're not just the expert, um, which often happens in the, the traditional diet of a, of a clinic. Um, so people can learn and grow from the people around them just as much as they learn and grow from um, the sharing their own experiences and, and from the, the facilitators. Um, and I think it really comes out that um, people are so um, distinct and 
different people have different levels of coping with different situations and different ways of coping. And I think that's, that's a really um, important message for people. Understand what your limits are and understand what is good for you and understand what you need to be doing to look after yourself. Because um, you know, I'm, I'm planning on becoming a, a grumpy old man at, at some point. So um, if you're a grumpy old man and um, you know, you're getting irritable around this time, it might not be uh, any, any concern because that's your baseline. But if you're a, a pretty casual, um, laconic person and you start to get irritable, that might be a sign for you that maybe you're not coping so well. So be aware of your, your own baselines and um, notice the changes. And I think the big thing is about those changes. Um, so things start to drop off or um, you know, when, we're not in that same routine, whether it's the, the gym routine, the, the eating healthy, um, not seeing friends, uh, maybe there's kind of mood changes, personality changes, appetite changes. Uh, I think the changes are the big things that we, we need to look out for and, and try to nip them in, in the bud before we do become overwhelmed. Definitely. Noticing, noticing the changes, I think, is, a, um, if you, is very important to stay on top of things. We can plan. It's very important to plan, but if the plans don't go to how we want them to go and you, you might find that you're coping well and everything's great, you don't need to deliberately change anything, but if you find that it's not going to plan and you're not feeling well, the quicker you can realise that and then come up with a different strategy. I think that's generally my weakness. I think my partner always says, you're fine if everything's going according to plan, but God help us all <laughs> yes. if the plan unravels. I think there's a lot of us, particularly around this time of year, where you are setting plans and you're right. That definitely comes through. And the other thing I think is in that conversation is also the patterns, because another thing I notice in myself is from about mid-November every year, I just notice a change in myself where I am a lot more short-tempered, I am a lot more irritable. And I think it's that building of pressure and the fact that there is so much to do. And, you know, I often wonder when patterns like that do come up consistently, how do we manage them? How do we shift the traditional, oh, my God, Christmas Day is going to be horrific this year. It's been horrific for the last 15 years. Um, I'm just ready and geared up for that, or vice versa, like I was just describing, that you recognise there's a seasonal change around this time of year that turns you into a grumpy old man slash grumpy old woman, OK? <laughs> Any thoughts on some of the pattern behaviour and how we correct it around this time of year? For me, the way I look at things, I think um, when we're feeling stressed about the... Because we're thinking about the list. We're thinking about all the things we need to do. So stress is a, a response that we have to prepare us for the things we need to do. Um, now, we can feel stressed and it can cripple us, or we can feel stressed and it can energise us. Increase in heart rate if our blood vessels, if our systems relaxed through that um, stress, we're primed to get more things done. Our body's telling us there's things you need to do and you need to pay attention. So if we pay attention and we do the things, we cross them off the list. We feel good. We get these little hits of dopamine. We feel like oh, we're on the right path. I love boxing right and path. a tick through it. Oh, my That's gosh. Right. <laughs> Sometimes I even just write the list and tick them just so that I can actually get that rush. Absolutely. That's right. That's the, the best way forward. If you can um, respond to the call the way your body's preparing you, you tend to feel on top of things and you feel good. You may feel energised, but as long as you give yourself some downtime, some time to recalibrate, you can sustain throughout the Christmas period. Whereas if you don't take action, if you have a more of an avoidant coping style, you, you don't do the things you need to do, you can feel overwhelmed quickly. Um, so if you have plans or you have people you can talk to, they can help to get you back on track. Um, if you have meditation practices, a yoga routine that you can stick to, you can help to keep yourself level and give yourself some time to recalibrate and step back into your role of getting things done. If you don't have those mechanisms in place, if you don't have good habits, 
good structure around your life, then you can fall into a pattern of like a, 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 a loop through your mind that there's just so many things to do and I can't get them done. Then that's the thought that occupies your mind, which isn't helpful. No, it takes up all of that energy. And, yeah, absolutely. Do you have any thoughts on that, Rachel? Well, yeah, I think you're talking about patterns and then changing, and I do think this year we really need to, which I think people have do, been doing all year because of COVID, is to think about how we can simplify things. So rather than just writing the list, it's also, I think, do I need everything that's on this list? Is this just a pattern of getting into this uh, kind of roller coaster or avalanche of Christmas um, that starts to get out of control financially, starts to get out of control with the amount of commitments we make, um, starts to get further away from our own values. And so I think it is uh, important when writing that list or making our plans that we first do get in touch with our values. You know, what do I really want? Also, what do we need? You know, are we setting up for a Christmas that we might have had in, you know, 2019 that we just don't have the energy for this year or the finances or the time or whatever it is? So I think it's not just, yeah, it's creating this thing that we always do, this pattern, but rather what do I need this year? What does my family need this year? Um, and I think particularly for business owners that we always push ourselves um, to, to really think about how can I simplify everything in the coming month? Um, and if I can't slow things down and if I do have to keep pushing, I guess um, hospitality would be not a time where, you know, we're shutting down for two weeks. People will be opening up and it will be really busy. So where can I carve out time? Where can, how can I give myself permission to really uh, make sure there is some downtime um, and I'm not just on a roller coaster that mm -hmm. doesn't stop? Absolutely, because they crash at the end of it. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> Um, and I guess it does take time and, and Kane, that's something that you must see is that people have to carve out that time mm -hmm. to first of all front up to do something different, um, be it beating a drum or trying yoga for the first mm -hmm. time. Um, through a busy period, what's your advice to, to people in how they carve out that time to participate in those sorts of activities? I, I think it's important that people um, understand that even five minutes a day, for instance, of meditation creates um, long-term changes in, in the brain. It, it supports you to better manage anxiety, stress, depressive symptoms. It's linked to improved sleep, improved relaxation, a huge amount of things. People think that they need to sit there for an hour every day to get any benefit. Um, but I think if we, if we start to take back little bits of, of time um, and use those in healthy ways, then that's a, a step in the right direction. Um, and that might not be life-changing to begin with, but if we can build on that, then it starts to become a significant shift in our lives. Um, and, you know, we see um, a lot of clients that, that come through the doors and they started off sporadically having a, a session here and there, and now we've got people who come to, you know, four or five sessions a week. And um, people walk into the space and you can see them just drop. Mm. And it's... it's an hour just for them and I think that's an Im important thing to to give yourself some time just to focus on you whether that's to go for a run go for a walk along the beach just sit and be focus on the breath or do some art or whatever it is just giving yourself a little bit of space and building on that um, on a small start it's fantastic advice um, and Alex just building on that I guess a lot of your practice is about 
training people to look inward and to take that space to look inward for a bit of time. And obviously at those times, sometimes other things bubble to the surface as well, especially if people haven't stopped for a while. What's your advice or anyone from the panel just on, on that when you take the space and stop for the first time potentially in a while and things do come to the surface, how do people manage that? Well, it's different for everybody. Mm. So we all have our own style of thinking. Um, what I often see is when people come in and they're, they're in that crisis mode or they're feeling overwhelmed is they describe things in a way that um, the things in their life that they're dealing with are everywhere and they talk about, you know, and they, they use their hands to signify this or they, they talk about things in a way that um, they, they picture the enormity of situations or problems is everywhere and then when they can take that time to just centre themselves through all of the practices you're talking about um, and sort of use languages, how can they line those things up in a way that they can deal with them so the things are in front of them, perhaps that can help without feeling like something's coming for you from all directions. There's little ways that you can shift your perception to, to deal with it and just a simple exercise of breathing and centering yourself will calm your nervous system down, enable, enable you to make use of the natural um, skills that you have anyway. But then if you can learn a few techniques like time management, like um, prioritising things, finding what's important to you, um, realigning with your values, it gives you a chance to step forward and feel confident that you're going um, in the direction you want to head. That's a really good point. And I guess when you've done that, you then have to interact with others. And Rachel, you made a really interesting point around... You know, Christmas is a time where everyone comes in with all of these expectations and everyone thinks their needs need to be met because it's a really special and important time of year. Um, from an attachment point of view, how do we navigate our way through some of those relationships that crop up this time of year? Uh, well, I guess the, some of the relationships that do crop up are people that potentially people or family members or extended family or uh, different groups that we might not spend time with through the year intentionally. Um, because it might be that even though they are related in some way, um, that, that we're not that close or we don't have much in common. And so I think it's um, trying to be gracious, trying to be generous, trying to be compassionate. Um, I think with siblings as well, trying also to remember that uh, they are, um, you know, the relationship between you and the siblings is largely, I guess, commenced with parenting. Um, and so they're not necessarily the bad ones um, and uh, we're not necessarily the right ones or the good ones, um, that we're just quite different, perhaps different values and that that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's trying to not get roped in, um, to, not, to not let all of the history come out. And even on the day or on, you know, the different celebrations is to, to try not to get overly involved um, to not go up and down with everyone and everything that's going on and to maybe not have expectations of them that you know they're probably not going to meet. So if you're hoping that this year they won't be drinking so much or they won't talk about football or they won't, whatever it is, um, I guess it's trying to, if that's unrealistic, let go of that um, and roll with it and keep in mind that it is so time limited. Um, that it doesn't have to be the perfect lunch or the perfect dinner mm. um, and make sure perhaps too that there is that time for self uh, before or after or both, um, maybe spending with uh, people that you feel closer to. Um, 
Because it is really different, isn't it? And particularly if we think about business leaders, the, the relationships that we have in the workplace, you know, there's a lot of control in those relationships in many ways. You build a team that you feel comfortable with, you invest in it, you create an atmosphere where people have a common purpose and a, and a direction and they're all moving towards, you know, hopefully a purpose that, that makes some sense to them. And you're right in that this Christmas period, you suddenly unravel and you're suddenly back in a house with potentially your parents that you haven't seen for 20 years or you're dealing with the press. That's right. We're all suddenly 12 again, trying to work out how, how we navigate this day. <laughs> That's right. Throw a bit of alcohol in the mix. It's an interesting and... reflection. I don't necessarily want to share my attachment trauma. Yeah. My, uh, my, my father was uh, a businessman and he ran the family like a business and it, it meant that those family days were quite um, problematic for most of us. Yes. And I definitely encourage the business community to try and run your family <laughs> like a family <laughs> and not like a business. So, you know, it's, it's about coming together and everyone has their, their roles, but it doesn't mean that you need to be the, the CEO that you are uh, outside of the family uh, because that, that transition doesn't often work for the Well, family. it creates that difference, as we've just said, because there isn't a common purpose then, is there? You know, when you're the CEO of a company and you're all trying to make a business work, it makes sense. But when you're the CEO of the dishwasher, it's not quite yeah. on the <laughs> exactly. same level. Exactly. exactly. My mother quotes that very re regularly when my father came back after, you know, many years of running a national company and retired. And suddenly, yeah, the, you know, you talk about that change of dynamic. It is almost Christmas on steroids in a way when someone retires out of that workplace and mm -hmm. everything takes on, you know, these really huge priorities. Priorities. And again, back to Alex's point, you know, even though we sort of jest through that, there's so many, I guess, messages and learning and really simple lessons around taking a breath and going, does it really matter what sauce goes on the prawns, you know? And I think we are all guilty of it on, on this time of year or, you know, does it really matter if I don't go to 15 social functions in the lead up to Christmas? Is that about me trying to just connect with a whole lot of people that I don't really care about just so I can tick off to say I've had Christmas? And I think, Alex, your point around values is really, really important too. What are my values this time of year? Is it just going down the beach on Christmas morning with my kids? Yeah. If that's the most important thing, then that's actually what you need to factor yeah. into your day. And, you know, no matter what anyone else's expectations are, maybe that's the period that you carve out for yourself um, through that. It's very easy to focus on matter rather than what matters, you know. Mm. So we can sit there at our Christmas dinner and um, think about the, the food that's there. We can think about the effort that everybody's gone to make in the food or the people who are with you. Um, sitting here, we can think about the, the, the camera or we can think about mm. who's washing. You know? mm. Choosing what you focus on can go a long way to how you interact with the people that you're with and how you feel and how you present in those situations. And on that, you know, we, I guess in an ideal world we all recognise that, but sometimes those historic relationships and patterns of behaviour, I imagine, Kane, if you're having lunch with a few CEOs, you know, it may come up really quickly. Um, other things happen. How do we manage those moments in those instances where that sort of that rush of old pattern and behaviours suddenly comes out, almost pulling it back inside before the train wreck actually happens? I think practice. So yeah. the, the first step is awareness. Without awareness, we can't change anything. And the, the practice of, of mindfulness and being more present in this moment, whether that's through walking, whether it's through running, whether it's through playing drums, whether it's through any, any activity. And I think that's just on that point, I think that's where people get a, a little bit tripped up with mindfulness. They think it's just focusing on the breath. But we can have a mindful conversation where we're fully invested and we're not thinking about yesterday or what we're doing later today or tomorrow. Um, 
or we can have a conversation where we're a bit more mindless and we've got lots of things going on in the background. So any activity we can do mindfully. And part of what that does is foster an awareness of what's going on moment to moment. So we can notice much early on that we're being triggered and then we can choose to respond rather than react. Yeah. And I think that's a really, really important practice to cultivate that can have large ramifications on how we interact day to day. And I think you're so right because even day to day that will vary and when we're talking about periods of time where we are really stressed and there's a lot going on in our heads, pulling back to recognise those triggers is probably also what makes it so much harder around this time of year and maybe why things do flare up a little bit. And at what point, Rachel, do you think that these flare-ups or these issues that come this time of year are just this time of year or an underlying issue that maybe needs some more professional advice? Is there a line? I don't know about professional advice, but I think sometimes there are, um, you know, the, the problems we get into at Christmas are because of patterns in our own personality or our, our relationships. So, for example, if you do have problems setting boundaries or saying no, then you're probably going to overspend with your children to try and give them what they want so that you don't feel guilty or don't, they're not disappointed or you don't, um, you're probably going to uh, commit more than what you want to um, because you want to keep everybody happy and you want to avoid conflict or you want to avoid criticism. Um, so if that is something that feels like it's ongoing for you, that it happens at work, that it happens all year, that it happens and that you overstretch yourself, that you get lots of guilt if you express your own needs or if you um, actually do set a boundary about what time you will be coming or leaving, you feel really bad and there's lots of pressure, um, then it's, it's, it's definitely something that's more ingrained and I think to certainly improve um, the quality of life all year round is to be able to learn how to set boundaries um, with other people and also I guess with yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, if we start thinking about Christmas, we overeat, uh, we overshop, we overspend, we overdrink. Um, so there is that sense that we lose our own boundaries with ourselves around this year as well. And some of that might be time limited because we're back in the childhood yeah, that's right. environment. Um, but I think if it's, you know, if it is an ongoing issue, then yeah. It's that's good to, where we start to Yeah, so only because right. life can be better. Yeah, you that's know, so Boundaries, true. I think there's a lot of talk about boundaries lately and uh, on social media and on a lot of the um, therapist pages. Uh, and I think it's great because I do think we, we do struggle to say no, a lot of us, mm -hmm. and we do struggle with lots of feelings of guilt when we're um, doing what we want to do. That's really, really Point. And you notice that even in, I think, a lot of young people's conversation I've been noticing, they're mm. very boundary or you know, it's almost like they've been educated to the other extreme and I think yes. for particularly our generation in some ways, and I throw us all a little bit under that bucket, but, you know, it isn't a familiar place to mm. set boundaries like that, and especially when young people are setting them. It's sometimes a little bit of a shock because mm. it's something that we're not used to. Mm. Um, Kelly, are there any questions from the floor at the moment? One of the things now, I'm just moving on a bit, so we get to the end of the year and as we mentioned, most of us have expectations that just one year of our lives, New Year's Eve is going to go exactly how we planned and, you know, we're going to start the new year with a woohoo, this is amazing. If that doesn't happen, um, and more likely probably that it won't, how do we reset and refresh and coming now into that new period that we get ourselves through the stress of December and we're facing 
another year of uncertainty. Um, what would be your thoughts just on, on how we kind of process a fresh start to some degree? I'll, I'll take a leaf out of your book and say focus on the positive. Yeah. So practice gratitude, Be tune into the things that you do have and focus on those. Um, and try to be compassionate with yourself and the others around you that may have not met those expectations that perhaps were a little unrealistic. Mm. Um, and the more that we can focus on those things and foster a sense of gratitude, foster a sense of, uh, of compassion, and perhaps foster a sense of forgiveness as well, um, we're going to lead into the new year in a, in a much um, healthier mindset. It's a really good point you make, Kane. And I know during COVID there was a lot of talk about, you know, how we had all learnt this compassion and this connectedness and I think they're really important lessons that we need to carry into the new year mm. and look at the positives of the year that we've come out with. I think mm. every one of us have come out with a slight shift in our awareness and a slight, a slight shift in just how important the people around us are and even from a business point of view, how important our colleagues and our connections in business are to the way that we do business. So I think it's really um, important that we do put those front and centre as we enter the new year. Rachel, did you have any other thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I think uh, talking about gratitude, uh, also with looking after people around us. So if we are in a position where actually Christmas is not sounding or looking as bad as we're all talking about it, um, can we extend, is there someone in our network who actually may need uh, an invitation mm. or may need looking after at that time? Um, uh, can we look after our team a bit better? Um, if we've got the resources, um, can we um, also, I guess, you know, shop locally? Um, so can we look after our community by investing whatever money we are spending uh, locally? Mm. And thinking about experiences in Fremantle so that lots of different businesses can be supported. Um, and I think to not expecting this miracle of here comes 2021, 2020 is finished, COVID's gone, um, this is a new year, everything's going to be perfect. So I think it is, again, keeping the expectations low and the pressure off um, that we don't need to drop 10 kilos, stop what we're doing, start a new thing. So maybe just letting yourself slowly go into the year and enjoy said, the summer. I always said aim low and achieve. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's completely <laughs> true. I've friends who have made that their motto of life, Kate, and I'm not sure that it always works out, but yes, absolutely. But realistic expectations at least. I yeah. think realistic expectations is absolute. And it's funny when, you know, even when you were just describing free mental experiences then, um, we had a prize at the Free Mental Business Awards for the People's Choice and a, a, a number of wonderful free mental businesses, you know, donated a an overnight stay at the National and, a, you know, sort of a go up in the tourist wheel. And there was a number of things. And as um, Josh Wilson was reading them out, I was thinking, that actually sounds amazing. Like, you know, just spending a day wandering around a museum or doing those things that we don't often give ourselves time and permission to do and recognising those things as part of maybe our setting of goals for the new year as opposed to losing 10 kilos it might be just a softer way to sort of start the year. Alex, did you have any thoughts on, I guess, you know, that inward-looking reflection time that often comes in January? Yeah, so when people are starting their new years, they set goals or whether they're realistic or not, I think it's an important thing to keep in mind is when you're starting something new, whether it's a new year or a new venture in life, whatever it happens to be, is don't expect to be good at it straight away. Don't expect to be successful straight away. If you look at yourself as... First, if you're thinking about something that you're already good at or you enjoy doing, it gets you pumped up. It gets you feeling good. It elevates how you present in the world. 
So then you feel confident. And then if you reflect on that, you think, whatever I'm good at, there was a time when I wasn't and there was a process. What was the process that I used then? How can I apply that skill set of something that I've already learned to be good at and use it in the new things that I'm trying to do? And um, I think that's for individuals and for people watching this, um, or it might be business owners and things like this. So for them, it's important to think that to remember that they've got employees potentially that are going through a Christmas break and going through this transition period. Some people reflect differently on their job. They might be away from it a while and they have to prepare to leave their young families again and go back to work. And there are some of the things that they're dealing with next year. So as an employer, you can be thinking, how can I support my employees when they're coming back from a break, when they've spent some time either with families doing what they love to do and now they're having to leave them again and get used to going back to work with a normal schedule? Or how can I support people that have had a difficult time because they couldn't see their families or they, um, they felt lonely because they weren't able to be around people? Or so different people experience Christmas differently. It can be a time when you are confronted with the challenges that um, you're confronted every year with when you go to see your family. Um, so how can you support your workers when they come back to work and are trying to readjust back to that normal schedule of going back to work and how can you help them um, continue doing the new things that they're trying to achieve for themselves and as an employer if you help your staff your team your tribe of people if you can help them achieve what they're trying to achieve by themselves outside of work hours they'll be much more motivated to have more buy-in into your culture at work a good mental note, I think, for as we all come back in January. And I think that's one of the wonderful things about WA is that so many of us do get an amazing break over January that, yeah, revamping back up is an important part of that process and recognising that it is actually happening to everybody, that we're not all suddenly, you know, get to go and skip down the beach every day, that there is a life that we actually have to come back to. Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, just to kind of, I guess, wrap up then the discussion, is that if you had to give sort of, I guess, one or two pearls of wisdom to managing our, uh, our mental health through um, both the all of the festive seasons, so the highs and the lows, what would it be? Uh, I think remembering that it is one day. So even though we've spent the majority of today talking about that one day, I think that's what happens in this period is there's so much time, energy, money, effort, uh, pain spent around one day. And so I think if we can just remember that, make it as good as we can, uh, maybe change some old patterns, um, keep our expectations low enough, um, and then remember that if it doesn't go to plan, if it's not what we had in mind, if it's just not going to be what we wanted, or if it turns out that it's not, that it is one day, um, and then we have some beautiful summer days, hopefully, uh, following that um, and to reconnect then with ourselves and uh, people who do nourish us and do things or do nothing um, if, if we can. Yeah. That's really lovely. And I loved your point earlier, Rachel, too, just about sometimes being gentle with ourselves mm. through this period mm. and in that nourishment as mm. well. It's really lovely. Kane? Um, so if there's, there's people who have patterns that they are kind of expecting to to kind of occur again see if there's little things that you can change mm -hmm. to um, to ensure that that pattern doesn't get reenacted and whether that's something that you can change within how you approach something or if it's about perhaps um, having a conversation with someone who you know is 
part of that pattern and perhaps trying to divert that. I think that's a, a good kind of planning mechanism. Uh, more broadly, I think it's important to try and have, and this goes beyond um, just the Christmas period, to have a range of ways that we look, we look after ourselves. So it was mentioned before about the gyms were taken away from us. So if all you did for your self-care was exercise at the gym and you lost that, then all of a sudden your, your whole uh, way of coping fell apart. So focusing on something physical, something spiritual, you know, ensuring that um, we're, we're socialising as well. And so having a, a range of things that we do for our self-care is really important. And again, once we do get through this period, whether it's a really positive experience for everyone or a challenging experience, um, try to focus on those things of being grateful for what we do have, being compassionate to ourselves and people around us. And if there are problems that do come up, perhaps um, trying to be forgiving of self and others. Mm, that's great. Thank you so much. Did you have anything else you wanted to add, Alex? Yeah, look, I generally look at things, break them down into two ways, story and structure. So um, for people, if they want something to take from this, from my point of view, would be when we look at story is what we tell ourselves about the situation. How do we um, perceive what's happening? What, what are our thoughts? What's the story we're telling ourselves about what has happened, what is happening and what will happen? That's important. And the structure comes down to um, how do you structure your day? Do you have a regular time that you wake up every day? Because if the Christmas period, you lose that, that can start the ball rolling for the rest of the things in your day coming unstuck. Or do you have a regular bedtime and you always have a regular bedtime? If you don't, perhaps you should. If you do, um, trying to maintain that as much as you can through the break helps you um, maintain your normal um, level. Um, so how you structure your day, how you structure yourself is what enables you to be strong when times get difficult. Because I guess you centre yourself back to those moments That's or right. those points ritual, in the day that routine. seem ritual and routine. Yeah, It's a really, really interesting point and I think, um, you know, especially with rituals around this time of year, there are some things that make us feel festive. There are some things that bring us joy and, and maybe they're the rituals that we mm. kind of need yes. to focus on invest and those. invest in those. Mm. Um, and be really conscious of the story we tell ourselves. I think that's a great analogy, Alex, because I think the stories we tell ourselves when we listen to what others see in those same stories, they're different. Yes. And, you know, it's very easy to see a negative in a story and to recraft that story of here we go again, this is all happening again. Um, but maybe there is a different perspective that we need to take through that to learn from. So. Wow, some amazing thoughts. I certainly feel a lot more festive, ready to go into Christmas, a little calmer than I did yesterday. So thank you all very, very much for your Thanks. time. I really, really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, we'll be back next year. So our next podcast will be the first week of Feb. Um, but all of the other podcasts are obviously live, so feel free to, to catch up uh, over the festive season while we're all taking some breaks. It might be a chance to listen to all the others. So thank you all again very, very much.